that's recording. Hello, podcast. Hello, StreamYard Instagram. Lindsay, good to see you. Good to see you. Okay. Uh, welcome to Sports Scope, everybody. I'm your host, Robert Butler, on this 27th day of um, May. Lindsay, uh, we are 16 weeks away from the start of the NFL season. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys will be playing the Tampa Bay Bucks. I cannot wait. And judging by looking at all these fans in the New York Knicks arena and in the basketball playoffs of the world, I am just completely stoked about this. I can't wait till the NFL starts, everybody. This is just a preview. I love the fact, everybody, that we are uh, getting playoffs this late in the summertime. The finals will be around my birthday in July. Uh, we're not going to have the dog days of summer like we normally do and that long wait before the start of the NFL. Um, the start of the NFL uh, before, uh, you know, after the playoffs and then the finals usually end everybody around around June. So we're by a month ahead of everything. We got all this great basketball. I was a little surprised at Milwaukee, uh, at Miami ha has really, um, really underachieved this year. I thought this was going to be a six or seven game series. Last I checked everybody, the Bucks were winning by about 24 points. You know what? I think I'll go ahead and check on that score as we speak. I know that uh, here in the next 25 minutes or so. Oh, yeah, Bucks are up 105 to 75. 30 points on the road. That is huge. I'm uh, going to talk about these feuds, Brooks Kepka and um, this, uh, this Sharamring guy. I can't remember. This, the, this golf feud's kind of funny. Bryson, the Shinbu. I'm also going to get into the. The uh, a legendary, a legendary um, uh, NFL player retires. Adam Vinatieri, one of the most clutch players of all time. I'm going to give you all my. Um, I'm going to give you all my most clutch players of all time that I've seen, uh, and the most choke artists, the biggest choke artists. So I got a good list for that. Alex Smith on. Uh, the Aaron Rodgers situation, that was interesting. But first, okay, so we, we have a basketball game on, everybody. Uh, as you know, and I know, for, for those of you that watch the NBA playoffs, game three, the first home game for the team that's the lower seed, is usually the most likely game that, uh, thank you very much, Lindsay, I appreciate you doing that. Is you and I started not to even do Instagram today because it takes forever to get put up. But thank you, Lindsay. That thank you. I really appreciate it. praise report, my friend. Uh, niece Lindsay, actually. I've spoke with all three of my nieces. I, I love you all very much. So, anyways, game three is usually where the uh the lower seed has their biggest game. That's usually a blowout, you know. Uh, I think Memphis will beat Utah in game three. I think Utah with Donovan Mitchell coming back, they'll win this series. But, you know, Giannis has that Michael Jordan-like feel to him where he's been embarrassed early on. 
He seems to getting better every single year. He's even got a fadeaway like Jordan. I was watching him play the Nets, and you know that little uh, uh, that jab step fadeaway. Uh, it's a little Carmelo, a lot like Jordan though. Up, he's seven foot tall, right? Now that was against the Nets. Now the Nets, I think they're going to sell sell through uh, Boston. Probably beat Boston in four or five games, and um, and I, I think we'll have a crash course there. Now that being said, both teams look sharp. I know that they are two and one Milwaukee in the regular season against this net team. Now, now mind you, this Milwaukee team's only or this net team has only had the big three together for about seven or eight games now. And then I'm not even counting the playoffs. They look sharp, but but you know I'll watch the last few games very closely between this Milwaukee and this Brooklyn Net team. And I tell you, uh, it looked really good. It looked really tight. And I thought to myself that this Net team will beat Milwaukee with Harden with the healthy Harden. So I, I'm still leaning Nets. That's a six or seven gamer. That's going to be a one or two possession game. Uh, the winner of that series could very well represent the East. Now, what could happen, that winner of that series could be banged up enough going through a rested uh, Philadelphia should have their way with the winner of New York and Atlanta. New York's a great story. Uh, it's great for the NBA. I was sending my dad... Uh, text message the other night, last night, watching that Nick game, watching that crowd for the first time in a long time, that size and magnitude, not only did it make me think about life before the pandemic, but that particular game took me back to the nostalgia and the ecstasy of being a, a, a 14-year-old, 13, 12 uh, year old watching the Knicks and the Bulls in the 90s, uh, even having uh, the director there, Spike Lee. That was like, that was Knicks and, and, and Pacers, Carlos. I know you're probably watching basketball right now, but uh, that was those flashbacks for a moment there. And it takes you to a happy place. Uh, I had a rough childhood at times, you know. But during those playoff games and those early summer, summer morning, summer evening nights, watching those games, you know, where you can just forget about it all that's going on. I mean, that was really euphoric for me growing up. And then a lot of times those Sunday afternoon games would come on and go off and then you get all gassed up and I call some friends over or they may already be over watching the game with me. We'll go out in the backyard and shoot basketball or walk down to the next court and would emulate the guys that we've seen. I, you know, if it'd be some neighborhood guys there about my height, I would emulate a, a, a Patrick Ewing. But if I was playing like a three-on-three with some a taller kids, I would emulate that fadeaway Jordan put in. You know, and 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 uh, with Marv Albert, the great announcer of the New York Knicks, and called those great uh, Madison Square Garden games in the past and now he's retiring this year uh that was a big part of my childhood watching those games of course the nfl too but 
basketball, my love to play basketball is much more than my love to play football. I watch a lot more football, Lindsay, but uh, my love to play basketball was my first. I, I always wanted to be a point guard in the NBA at that point. Uh, when I met your your dad, Lindsey, he he, I played a lot of basketball with him, and um, and he was uh, seeing my sister about to get married and all that stuff. So he he was a good guy, but you know that that really took me back going to that series, Atlanta. I think Philadelphia is set up really good right now to have a good clean path. It could be a path for Atlanta because I think that Milwaukee Nets, that's going to be a really hard-fought series. And I think that Philadelphia could run through Washington in the winter of Atlanta, uh, New York, because Atlanta New York is going to beat up on each other. Love the story of New York. A lot of hustle. Atlanta's the much better shooting team. I did not know they had Lou Williams. Uh Gallinari had come over from, um, I want to say he came over from Denver. And, of course, Trey Smith. Uh, what's that guy's name? I call him Trey Smith. I know that his name's not Trey Smith. Trey Young, excuse me. Uh, those guys can shoot you out of the gym. I expect Atlanta to play really well. I expect Atlanta to play really well in their, in their game three at Atlanta. But I tell you what, it's just a good – it's a good series to follow. Knicks could win it. Atlanta is is a slight. I would put Atlanta as a slight favorite. Knicks still get uh, if they can win and get it back to New York. It would be a hard fought seven game series. They could uh, beat them in seven, but uh, they're going to have to get probably game four. I think Atlanta will probably shoot them out in game three. They'll shoot them out of their own gym, and it'll be a scrappy game four. Derrick Rose looks like the old Derrick Rose at times. And, of course, Julius Randle. But you got a lot of young players, never been here before, all feeding off of Tom Thibodeau. But, you know, it's good for them. Uh, it's good for the city of New York. It's good for the country. It's good for basketball, the NBA, for the Knicks to be playing, even in this, even though we know nobody's thinking they're going to win the championship or anything like that. But i tell you what, it was a uh, interesting game now kind of going a little bit backwards i'm staying with the playoffs okay i told you all this the other day that i just could not even though a lot of you did i could not pick this clipper team uh to get to the finals that they're just too much uh they lost to too many mediocre teams with rest and stuff during the regular season uh they lost they lost games last year. I feel like they shouldn't have lost. This thing is likely over. You know, you lose the two home games against this Dallas Maverick team and at home, then you got to go on the road. They put a player, and I can't remember who it was. I do not think it was Patrick Beverly, some guy I never heard of. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't recognize, but they're picking up Luca Dantage from Dallas. 94 feet, Lindsay, which is the length of the basketball court, and he still scored. They still couldn't do nothing with him. Now, they didn't put Kawhi on him. And between Kawhi talking about playing through that foot injury from their lack of cohesionness and, and chemistry last year, I just could not put this team in the finals. 
now that Mitchell's back, and I feel a little bit better about my pick with Utah in, in the West and, and Brooklyn in the East, but I will say this, that there is going to be a lot. I don't want to get ahead of all the other uh, sportscasters and everything and say that, that Kawhi is, is going to be a great free agent next year. Uh, this coming up summer, he's got that player option that will expire on August the 1st. So as soon as the season's over with, uh, the regular season's over with in July sometime, their season could be over with in another week because they got two more games. They'll be done. The Clippers, they could get swept. Uh, I think he's going to exercise that. He's going to talk to his agent. He's going to talk to management. And him and Paul George, this is the it. They, the Clipper organization, they have an option to trade Paul George. They have a team option to trade. They can get out of Paul George's contract uh, and, and trade him. So that's going to be the uh, the thought coming into this summer. Now, I looked at some notes here. I made a few notes. Who would be going after? And meanwhile, uh, quiet is a very quiet guy. For one thing, we know that he is not, and I can go into phases of my life where I don't feel like talking to anybody. I can be introverted. Uh, I want my props. So I respect guys that are quiet and cerebral, uh, like a Kawhi Leonard, uh, like a Tim Duncan. Used the great Tim Duncan from uh, San Antonio. I've got some of that type of personality. Even Kareem, he was a kind of a uh, can be sought up as aloof or standoffish guy, but really some guys just want their privacy. Uh, Kwai is, is a very quiet, uh, does, don't not, this guy really don't want to be interviewed and asked questions. He would, he, it would be good for him to play with another player that does that. And it just doesn't work with Paul George. You know, George will be a $39 million cap hit, uh, dead cap over the next four years, uh, 31 years old. Now, Kawhi, so uh, I looked up and uh, a few a few of the searches I got saying that who would, would who would go out and recruit Kawhi Leonard just because he's from Southern California he might not want to play here anymore he, he I think that he's still sick I know he's got to be embarrassed he had forty one points the other night and they still lost okay I think uh, I want to say it was clutch points said that maybe Dallas would recruit him to put him with the guy who's torching this right now, this 21, 22-year-old uh, phenomenon player, Luka Doncic out of Dallas, to put him up there. Uh, Dallas would be one of the teams, and I agree with that article, that Dallas would be interested. I don't know how well he would fit in under uh, Rick Carlisle and that coaching staff, but I tell you what, I think he'll, he'll give them – uh, some conversation, you know, and we'll see how that plays out. Uh, another another suggestion possibly coming back to Toronto where he won that championship two years ago with Pascal Siakam. Uh, I don't see in that coming into place from a guy that's from Southern Cal and does not want to go up there and freeze to death. But these are these is what's going around on the web. Now, Julius Randle in New York. New York looks exciting again. Um you can get around the cold in New York. You don't have to drive in New York. Uh, if he went to the Knicks, quiet cerebral guy. Uh, but if, if you're with a guy like a Julius Randle 
and another veteran like a Derrick Rose. But my thing is, could he deal with a Tom Thibodeau? I don't know. I don't think so because he's a guy that likes to do low management. All that stuff comes into fruition after you um, when you start losing. Low management is is uh, players taking off in the middle of the season because they don't want to do back to backs. Okay, for those of you who may not know what that term means. It looks bad because the team looks like they don't have chemistry. They do not finish games well. All that comes to more the forefront. So I don't know if he would want to play for a Tom Thibodeau, but his pride may be hurt so much after these last two years with the Clippers that he may try something new. He's a guy you cannot get a read on. He's a very quiet guy. I don't. If Kawhi Leonard wouldn't be a basketball player, he comes off to me as a guy that may be in computers, you know, the baby a software guy. A lot of uh, really quiet people like him, you can't really get a read on. They're, they're usually mechanical type. Uh, they're, they're computer people. They're, they're, they're auto mechanics. And, and uh, so that, that just really blows my mind. Now, Philadelphia. There's talks out of Philadelphia. Uh, Northeast Stream and Sports, they got a Jamie Spags on there. Big time guy, Philly sports show out of the Philadelphia. I was listening to a show with him on the Mac and Jack Northeast Streaming Sports Network, and he says that Daryl Morey, the general manager of Philadelphia, will make a move on Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. He says Simmons. He says they'll make a move on Simmons if this team does gets put out in the second round. Now I don't see Atlanta or uh, New York putting them out. But he's saying maybe they make a move if they don't make it to the uh, finals uh, this year. As good as Philadelphia's playing, remember, they are the number one seed in the NBA or in the uh, East. So that's going to be interesting. So if, if Daryl Moore, who is a uber aggressive former general manager of the Houston Rockets, remember, he was the guy that got all the uh, cost and international crisis over saying free Hong Kong when the Chinese government got all irritated. Now he's parted ways with Houston. Now he's with Philadelphia. He hires Doc Rivers. Uh, there's a prior relationship with Doc Rivers. From my understanding, that that was not a bad relationship with uh, Kawhi Leonard. So would they, would the, the 76ers bring in a Kawhi Leonard and trade a Ben Simmons? That is food for thought. Uh, Moore will try to make that move. He will push to get that done if the Sixers do not make the finals or perhaps the Eastern Conference finals. I think they'll make the Eastern Conference finals. I, th I think they'll run through. They're going to sweep probably uh, Washington, and I think they'll win that winner of uh, New York Atlanta. But it's something to happen. I mean – uh, there's been times I've watched Philadelphia the last few years, and I think they're going to run rough shot, and then they don't. So uh, th they would be a uh, a team there. Uh, I mentioned uh, possibly, you know, obviously uh, Miami's not there. These young players have totally let down Jimmy Butler this year. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero's feeling himself a little too much. Excuse me, uh, Leslie, I got our Lindsay. Yeah, really got cotton mouth today. 
allergies are killing me. They didn't want to do the show, but I'm doing it anyways. So, uh, and maybe, you know, Chris Paul's also a free agent. Maybe you can hook up with a Chris Paul. That could be a guy he can kind of hide behind and let Paul do all the talking. Now, Paul's a little bit long in the tooth, always seems to get hurt in the playoffs. Uh, but something's going to happen there. My whole point to this segment is, is that they're not going to play together after this year, them meaning uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. It's been a failure. we got to accept that for what it is. It has not worked out. Uh, both of the guys are from Southern Cal. Both of them just not meshing together. There's too much talent around them. They're just not meshing. Last year was an issue about uh, the two players having – too much preferential treatment, so they do away with the coach, bring in uh, Ty Lue, and you still got the same problems. They're getting their underachievement. So one of the two is going to get, maybe Kwa stays there, and they trade uh, Paul George, and, and maybe they bring in a, uh, oops, looks like we're slipping there. Um, we're s- slipping out there. Uh, tablet there for the uh, Instagram Live. So it's really going to be interesting. I think a trade is probably more likely of a Paul George. Who would he trade for? I don't know at this point. I really don't know um, what they would do there. Uh, Are other players unhappy? Would they make that move, the Clippers, to go with maybe a Philadelphia team that underachieves this year? Uh, Maybe they go after a Ben Simmons over – uh, now, this guy's a much better distributor of the basketball than a Paul George, probably considered a better defender at this point in his career. Uh, a uh, Ben Simmons over a Paul George, not quite the shooter of a Paul George, but Paul George has been inconsistent, man. He he really has. Uh, it's a lot to be. It's it's a lot to think about. Another playoff note: Yeah, Donovan Mitchell. Back with the Jazz, I expect them to beat the eighth seed, Memphis. Ja Morant, again, patting myself on the back. I think Ja Morant has turned out to be the uh, player that I predicted that he would become and a better player as of now than a Zion Williamson, per se. All right. And um, other news and notes. Okay. At the Philadelphia game, there was a – uh, Westbrook is a guy that kind of plays on the edge anyways. You know, he, he was really, uh, really annoyed at the end of the game. And he, as he's leaving Philadelphia, by the way, some of the roughest fans in the entire NBA, uh, all the sports of that city of Philadelphia. And somebody pours, he's walking through the tunnel. Someone pours some popcorn on him. And the fan's been found out. They're going to, they've banned the fan. I'll say this. And I'm a guy who likes to have fun at the stadiums when I was younger with, with Lindsay, uh, my niece, and, and, and uh, hanging out with her, her father and some of mutual friends. We would have a good time at the, at the games, the Titans games, whatever. Went to a few hockey games here in Nashville area. And I do like to be loud. I, I like, we like to stomp on the seats and all that. But it does annoy me when you've got, uh, people about the fight in there. Uh, you got a lot of profanities. Uh, people throwing waters, uh, water bottle, ice, water itself. 
Uh, I've heard of other stadiums, not where I've witnessed, throw batteries on the field. And my thing is, I think that all the season ticket holders, if they don't already have this in every great major league stadium and all sports around the country, uh, there's certain. This is what I would say, not just throwing stuff. That should be a, a given. But I think that um, they shouldn't. It should be banned to say F-bombs, women's gen- genitalia reference, men's genitalia reference as far as name calling. you got a lot of kids in the stadiums. Uh, I understand people's drinking, want to have a good time. But it's always these one. It's just a small crowd that does that. It really annoys everybody else at these games, and I hope they take it more serious. Jimmy Johnson, former Dallas Cowboy coach in the 90s, says that I understand Russell Westbrook feels after Philly fans, they threw snowballs and more after uh, me and more on me after beating by Eagles. NFL started putting up tarps over the X's to protect the players and coaches. Now, that is pretty funny. You know, they're throwing snowballs but you don't know what's in the snowball. Uh, like I said, the uh, reports of Raider fans throwing batteries on the field and other, so it, it, it can get out of it, it get out of line. I think the cursing is too much. Myself, you can you can bang on the seats, you can boo, uh, no cursing, and definitely no racial remarks. I know that Kyrie Irving. I don't know how much that is true. Says that uh, Boston Celtic fans have said racial remarks towards him. Uh, and then Mark, they asked Marcus Smart the same thing. Well, I, you know, Marcus Smart had a race, said a guy said a racial remark back in, uh, back in, uh, uh, his Oklahoma State days while he went after a player, a Boston Celtic. Now, so I don't know why the media asked them to. Now, of course, Daddy Ainge said, I've been here 26 years, nobody never mentioned it to me, and he was a player and, and a GM. So we'll see how that plays out. But uh, I don't think any of that stuff should be allowed. It's really annoying. Uh, it's, uh, but it is what it is, you know. And a lot of that was because he was simply just annoyed because they got beat in the game, if you ask me, okay? All righty then. Bouncing around. Okay, Alex Smith. This made news the other day. Uh, former 49er, first-round overall pick. Picked the same year that Aaron Rodgers was picked. Alex Smith was on the Colin Cowherd show, not uh, yesterday, excuse me. It was on the yesterday's program, and he was talking about the Aaron Rodgers situation, and he call, he uses the word inexcusable for not letting the, the Packer organization, not letting Aaron Rodgers know of the Jordan Love uh, signing. Now, me, I, I've been pretty consistent on this. I don't think that organizations should be obligated to tell a player when you're going to draft another player. I get it. And I've been consistent on that ever since this all came about last year when a uh, decision was made to, to draft this Jordan Love guy in the trade up. Now, here's two ways to look at this, Okay. Two ways. Number one, it's uh, you as a general manager, a player, a fan, a coach of a team. Uh, when you play a team twice and they dominate you, 
and it and it's really embarrassing you know um it is a you have an epiphany during that game for example john elway when in 2013 february 2013 when the seattle seahawks dominated i mean i know peyton manning had a rough game but physically they dominated that great offense and supposedly at the time of the Denver Broncos. Uh, that was the one that was in New York. And, and, and John Elway said, I looked at that and I made it and, and I made my mind up really quick. He's like, this is hold on, everybody. A little word about my timing here. John Elway says. This it, this team doesn't have a good enough defense. That we, we were embarrassed, and millions, hundreds of millions of people around the world saw that game. We were so he went out and got guys like Chris Harris, Demarcus Ware, uh, a big money free agency made trades uh, through the draft. They went heavy, heavy defense in that 2013 off season going into 14. You know. And we all know what happened after that. Uh, they had a uh, – they won the Super Bowl in, in 2015, two years later. You know, that was that epiphany moment. You know, why I say that, remember the 49ers blown out Green Bay twice that year in 2019. They, they blew them out twice. It wasn't even close, especially the second game. The NFC Championship game was blown out twice. So they obviously needed defensive help. The Packers did. They, they needed defensive tackles, uh, upgraded linebacker. They need some veteran. They need about three or four good defensive players to play up front. They did not need another quarterback in the first round or through free agency at that time. Uh, the, the general manager should have had that epiphany. You know, and I think about another time where and sometimes your biggest defeats in life could be wake up calls to you. You see what I'm saying? They, they could be wake up calls. Uh, they could be your best thing that's ever happened to you. Humiliation can be a good thing sometimes, uh, Lindsay. For instance, in 19... The 1996, 1995, um, it was the 96 Fiesta Bowl. It was from the 95 season. Nebraska humiliated Florida in football. They beat them 62 to 24. They could not stop them up front. Steve Spurrier said that was one of the most humiliating, embarrassing losses of my career. This guy had one of the best offenses in college football at the time. So he brings in what came, the future came a, a head coach, uh, uh, himself a great head coach of the, of the um, Oklahoma Sooners with Bob Stoops. He, that's when he bought in Bob Stoops. Then after he brought in Bob Stoops, they got better defensively themselves and got more physical, got better recruiting. And then we all know what happened the very next year. They beat Florida State to win the national championship to give uh, 
Steve Spur, his one and only national championship, but it had to come after that epiphany moment where he says, we're not there. We are. So why didn't Gudenholz, whatever the guy's name is, the general manager of in the front office of Green Bay, they should have had that. I had that moment, and I thought, man, Green Bay's got to get bigger up front. They are just bad defensively. They don't really need another receiver. And, of course, they get blown out. Uh, they get blown out the next year to Tampa. I didn't feel like they were really in the NFC Championship game in the second game against Tampa. So it does leave this general manager to be uh, in somewhat uh, accountable. Is that the word you want to use? I don't know. Uh, the reason for that Rodgers wanting to want to get out of there, you know, but they, they, he should have had a moment to say, we'll get a, we'll get a uh, backup quarterback for the 38 year old quarterback, 37 year old quarterback at that time later. But right now, let, let's, let's, let's fatten up this soft defensive line. Let's get a bigger linebacker. Let's, let's get some depth there. And, To have that moment, that means you got to have some pride in yourself. And the more pride you got in yourself, Lindsay, the more humiliated or the harder you're going to take being defeated and embarrassed. And Steve Spurrier had a lot of pride. John Elway's won two Super Bowls as a player. He had a lot of pride. And he did something about it. That general manager, I don't think he has pride. You know? And, and so, like I said, I think that I think, like I said on Tuesday's program, Aaron Rodgers is not coming back to Green Bay. That's my guess. Um, that I th- and, I, and I mentioned some other stuff, but I want to go into it before you know the uh, the Mike McCarthy thing, the uh, Mark Murphy, the president, uh, said to Rodgers when they brought in the new coach Lafleur, uh, "Don't mess this up." So this was the tipping point, and and I think he's going to. And I would say a team like Cleveland should go after Aaron Rodgers, but um, that was just not the case. Okay, in other football news, legendary. Nobody's really talking. I'm surprised that Adam Vinatieri, one of the greatest NFL players of all time. He is a kicker. I get it. He retired. And this guy has kicked clutch kick after clutch kick after clutch kick. You know, the first time I seen it, it was uh, seeing this guy play was in uh, January of 2002, 2001 season. In that famous, infamous, depending on what side of the uh, side you're on team-wise, uh, tuck game where the controversial uh, fumble, no, no tuck rule game with, with, with um, Tom Brady where it was snowing really bad in Foxborough. I was living in New York City. It was snowing real bad up in New York at the time. And and, and this guy, Adam Vinatieri, the kicker for the Patriots, just nails, nails a field goal. Boom. And then the same year, they go to the Super Bowl. He hits the big game winner as the clock's turning zero. Very clutch. Guy turns out to be 
just straight up clutch over the next few years, including a lot of you may forget they have forgotten this, but including that Carolina game. And I'll see if I got some notes on that. Yeah, yeah. Two years later, this is from Bleach Report. The Panthers and the Patriots were tied at twenty nine. Uh, would would be wound down in Houston early in the game. Vinatieri, I don't even I didn't even notice this. He missed a field goal attempt in the Carolina Super Bowl with the Panthers with Steve Smith and all those Jake DeLone. This was that third, uh, second, second Super Bowl with Brady and Belichick. Had one block, missed one. And a lot of times when that happens, usually the guy will miss another one. The the kicker will miss another one. This guy has the mental capacity to shake off that loss and keep going forward. That's easier said than done. Trust me. So the game's it's late in the game. It's 29 all. Kicks a 41-yarder, middle of the goalpost. They beat the Carolina Panthers to start their, uh, you know, dynasty, whatever you want to call it. And so the guy stays with this team till 2005, okay? And the Patriots move off. They, they, they draft another kicker. Turns out to be another great kicker. He becomes a free agent. Uh, their biggest rival, the Indianapolis Colts at the time, had a really good kicker, but he he made some uh, he made some idiotic comment, Mike Vanderjack, at times, and he's also <coughs> excuse me missed some key kicks in the playoffs. And Vanderjack, who's never shied away from a camera, he didn't like. In 2003, back when the, the the Colts just could not get over the hump. Excuse me, everybody. Allergies bother me. 2003, uh, Colts get put out. Patriots, of course. Same team. And Vanderjack says that he questions Peyton Manning's leadership and Tony Dungy's uh, coaching. Of course, that's the famous comeback at the Pro Bowl. Peyton Manning caught him and said our Idiot kicker gets liquored up and says that we're not serious about winning. The guy never, he didn't get cut. He played another two seasons with the Colts, ultimately missing a game time field goal attempt against Pittsburgh. If you all remember that, that was the first uh, Super Bowl for Jerome Bennis and, and Ben Roethlisberger. And my biggest criticisms for that particular game was uh, Tony Dungy. That was a year that the uh, Colts played really well that year. Probably the best Colts regular season team way out in front. Uh, Tony Dungy benched uh, his starters for two straight games, and they were really rusty, and they were down double digits early in their first playoff game after being out about three weeks or something like that. Not enough playing time, and the rest is history. Uh, the finally time they get it back together, uh, the, the Colts go on that last drive in that playoff, and Vanderjack misses the kick, and then they cut him. Well, the very next year, the Colts bring in Adam Vinatieri, the kicker from their arch rivals, the 
uh, New England Patriots. Uh, we all know what happened that year. Uh, 21-3 comeback by Peyton Manning. Adam Vinatieri, big kicks there. And he goes on for several years to kick for the Indianapolis Colts, helping Peyton Manning get his first Super Bowl win. And Bill Belichick, yeah, he's retired. Like I said, he, he is retired today. And Belichick had something interesting to say. He don't normally say anything about anybody. But he he said that, um, I thought I had a, something that he said. I might have a comment. But he said he's one of the greatest kickers, if not the greatest kicker of all time. And he had a big part to do in that particular uh, Super Bowl win. And I, and I, I say, I think so too. Uh, I did not get, I did not keep that. But either way, very well respected. So that makes me think about, because this guy's one of the most clutch players, most celebrated players in the history of, of all the sports, really. He's the greatest kicker of all time, in my opinion. And so I, I gave a list of over the last few days of who I think the greatest uh clutch players are of all time and and just about every sport that I can find or just in it's just in general right clutch players and chokers what I call it uh we'll start with the chokers first I, I think Peyton Manning going back to Peyton Manning uh reason why Vanderjack said that because he would over intense up in games uh his 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 stats will be a shadow uh of the he would be a shadow of himself in a lot of those playoff games, overthought the room. John Elway, uh, general manager who brought in Peyton Manning when he was with the Denver Broncos, said, man, you got to lighten up, man. You are really – you are wound up more than the eight-day clock. Uh, finally got over that hump in, in, in that 2006 particular season. 2006, 2007, when they did come back against the uh, New England Patriots. But uh, overall, I mean, never beat Florida as a college player. Uh, he was a big choke artist in big games. He did not have the offs. He did not have the postseason numbers, not even close to the regular season. He he would be on the, one of the biggest chokers of all time. Donovan McNabb, uh, when they rarely got to the Super Bowl, I want to say he got to one in his career, and that one Super Bowl he got to, that his uh, you know, teammate Troll and said he was throwing up on the sidelines, uh, taking that very long drive, uh, a big choke artist, okay? Uh, sticking with football, Matt Ryan, forget about blowing the 28-3 lead. Uh, that was in the Super Bowl four or five years ago, uh, five years ago now. We also got to think about, the two leagues they gave up this year, 17 points to uh, Tampa. And, of course, that big lead to the Dallas Cowboys. He just – he always gets off to a good start. And then as the game goes goes on, he gets more and more tighter and more conservative with his throws. I know as you people say it's a team game. But, you know, he, he's – I consider him to be a, a choke artist quarterback. Uh, basketball. Chris Weber, not for just calling that timeout in the national championship game uh, against Carolina, 
uh, with Michigan there. That looked like a nervous choke artist type of move. But also, when he played for the Kings, he would pass up the big shot. Uh, when he did take it, there was a lot of hesitation. Mike Bibby ended up being their big clutch guy. Whoever, even though Rob was the most talented player on those teams, Bibby was was a big clutch. So Chris Weber's a big choke artist in my lifetime. Okay, and you know Greg Norman, the six stroke league and the Masters. We want to go to the golf game. Uh, other baseball players who are choke artists. Some of the best players that you would, you know, Clayton Kershaw for the longest reminded me of the Peyton Manning of baseball. Uh, Cy Young winner, I think he won 20 games one year, uh, often pulled out early in, in the playoffs. Just could not handle the postseason. He's considered a choke artist, okay? Uh, for, for big, you know, choke artist, great regular season. When the money gets online, you, 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 you play, you fold. You look like you're tightening up, puckering up. Uh, former Cy Young Award winner Mike Price. I want to say that's a pitcher for Tampa Bay. Uh, great pitcher, man. Cy Young. I want to say he won a Cy Young 20 games. Man, this guy gets hammered. Hammered with the uh, Tampa Bay Devil Rays in the playoffs. Uh, two big names some of you may not know, but uh, Alex Rodriguez took him for I think he had one good off. One good playoff run uh, with 2008 when, when the Yankees won the World Series that year. But other than that, this guy was nowhere to be found late in games, uh, playoff games. Uh, just did not really see it happen. Barry Bond, Barry Bond, greatest, most impactful player of all time, possibly as a hitter, most feared hitter. Uh, fold like a cheap suit, folks, in the playoffs. Clutch. Michael Jordan, Tom Brady really needs no mentioning. Uh, teammate of um, Alex Rodriguez before he was there. Uh, Derek Jeter, not the greatest player of all time. Not the greatest hitter. Not the greatest shortstop. Man, big defensive plays. Getting Jambi out at the plate like that. Big late inning heroic home runs against the uh, Red Sox. Big hits, but also against uh, the Arizona uh, Diamondbacks in one of the greatest World Series of all time in 2001, if you don't remember. They bring in the um, relief pitcher. Can't remember the guy's name. I know he was a Japanese player. Uh, But they they would have like a great Kurt Schilling or Randy Johnson lead that off and then uh, bring in that relief pitcher and then Jeter just knock a home run off him, get the Yankees back in the game. Uh, Robert Ory, nicknamed Big Shot Bob, five uh, NBA championship games, big turnovers, uh, big steals there. Larry Bird, uh, one of the better defensive players when the money online, one of the greatest uh, clutch plays of all time, still in Isaiah Thomas's pass. Uh, Chauncey Billups, Chauncey Billups, uh, ice water in his veins, big free throw shooter when they won their championship and when they almost won two with the um, against the San Antonio Spurs. But that first run where they beat the Lakers, that good Laker team in five, Chauncey Billups of the Pistons, I don't think he missed a clutch free throw in that particular series. People that really stuck out for me, you know? But uh, there, there, there's clutch play. I mean, of course, you have Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Julian Edelman, 
Uh, Jerry Rice, the all-time leading receiver in, in, in postseason history, and Julian Edmond, uh, New England Patriot, just behind him. Some players simply rise up to the occasion, and others simply shrink. The moment's too big. It's too much nervous. They're overthinking it. And you think about I said Peyton Manning, one of the biggest chokers. His brother, completely opposite, one of the most calm big game players in the Super Bowl, both Super Bowls against the Patriots, uh, but also uh, in the 49ers championship leading up to those Super Bowls, big throws against Green Bay, uh, frozen on the road in the frozen tundra up there in Green Bay. So these guys are just big game players. And don't let me forget uh, David Ortiz, the, the Boston Red Sox during their 0-3 deficit, Big hit after big hit to come back and beat the Yankees. The historical uh, comeback uh, from 03. Big poppy, David Ortiz, one of my most favorite clutch players of all time. Roger Clemens, uh, pitcher for the Yankees. You can rough him up early. He can make middle notes. He can come back, and then he can win the game. Very clutch player. Clutch versus, uh, versus choke, right? So, anywho... Going through my notes here, everybody, I noticed that a lot of lot of um, lot of feuds going on. I tell you, I mean, people ticked off. Uh, uh, Russell Westbrook uh, with the with the with the popcorn incident, and this apparently is a regular feud here. Brook golfer Brooks Kepka and Bryson the Shambu. And I haven't really heard of this uh, Bryson DeChambeau guy, but this guy is a major winner. I want to say he won the U.S. Open a few years ago. But we all know who Kepka is. He's a multiple uh, major winner. I think he, him and Jordan Spieth could be the two big names in golf, not named Phil Mickelson, not named Tiger Woods. And I tell you, uh, this feud, Going back with these two players, uh, uh, for two years, this goes back. Uh, Kepka had an issue about uh, Bryson, the Shambu, uh, playing too slow. And then and, and Bryson get the uh, wind of there, and they, they take barbs back and forth. Golf Digest has got a timeline. From 2019 all the way up to next Sunday, and then of course Aaron Rodgers. And uh, <laughs> speaking of him and Tom Brady, there's going to be uh, there's going to be a golf match between Brady and Rodgers and Phil Mickelson and and this the uh, Shambu guy. I want to say this other golfer, and they're having memes about. Uh, you know, what happened with Bryson, he, uh, Kepka was doing an interview and Bryson said something. He's like, hold on, can you do that again? The guy's like, they're just bantering back and forth. Well, for a sport that's losing ratings because Tiger's not in it, uh, got a good spike with Phil Mickelson. I've never seen this before in golf. It reminds me of Happy Gilmore movie where you had one guy. Uh, Kepka seems a little bit like a, one of these people who wants everything to be perfect. He's a perfectionist, kind of big ego. This other guy kind of reminds me, this Bryson guy, kind of reminds he's from California too, of a uh, Reggie Miller, where he used to pick at John Starks 
And uh, in the NBA, a lot of you older uh, basketball fans will know what I'm talking about. Uh, Starks ends up headbutting the guy. Uh, this feels like that kind of Tyson, or not Tyson, Ali Frazier. That was a big rival where people will go back and forth. So it's interesting. Uh, I, I like I like it. I think it's good for the game. But I tell you, it's uh, it's something to be to take notice. So, anyways, everybody, I'm just about done here. Went through all my notes here on Sportscope. If you like the show, share the show. Thank you, Lindsay. I don't know if you're still watching me. I appreciate you sharing the program. I was just not about to do Instagram today, and I don't know if everybody else is not here live. It looks like I am not recording on my um mm, looks like i am not on my uh youtube and facebook it's just been one of those weeks everybody i tell you mm, i just now realized that i'm not live here hopefully i am live but I, I think maybe i'm not but at least i got it put in on the uh podcast and i've got it put in on the instagram I thought everybody was watching the game. So either way, I'll be back here on Monday around 9 p.m. Or Tuesday, excuse me, around 9 p.m. Central Time. If you like the show, share the show. I really appreciate everything that everybody does. Contribution to the show, if you want to contribute. Uh, it takes a lot of my time, money, and effort. Uh, you can uh, contribute to the through the Z-E-L-L-E app uh, to sports s the word sports with an s and s k o p e at gmail.com have a good night everybody i'm gonna watch these playoff games I, I think i think the lakers will win this game in game three i haven't get the chance to see any of it but either way i will be back here and you can check me out on the mac and jack sports show max on um on their YouTube, Northeast Streaming Sports, 7.30 a.m. on uh, Sunday morning called This Week in Sports. We'll be talking about some of the biggest stories there. You can catch me there as well. So have a good night, everybody. I will see you on this show around 9 p.m. Central Time Tuesday here on Sports Scope.